When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Calcio Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our preview of the Milan match on Sunday, and I'm joined by a couple of guests to help me with this preview. They are two-thirds of the excellent Red Card Report podcast. I'll start with a return guest. He's making his second appearance on the show, Rui Pereira. Welcome back. Thanks, Joe, for having me on again. It's It's been a while. You know, I feel like uh, with the rest of uh, Calcio Twitter, it's been a while since really touching base with any of you guys. So it feels great to to be back, chopping it up, talking all things Milan and, and Napoli. So thank you again for having me on. That's a pleasure, and you're right. It's been far too long since we had you on the show, so hopefully next time it won't be such a long break. But I know how busy you guys are. You've been uh, pumping out some great content lately. Our second guest is the newest member of the RCR team, Eddie Batista. Welcome to Forza Napoli. Hey, what's up, Joe? Thanks for having me and Rui. Rui coming back. Rui, I didn't know this was your second episode, but awesome. Um, happy to uh, you know join on this on this episode really expanding my horizons and the Milan Twitter podcast game. You know, I'm super grateful for, you know, Rui and Joe to, you know, letting me get on the Red Car Report. As you know, you know, we've been putting out some great episodes, but super happy to be as a guest on your show today. So, yeah, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And honestly, you've been a great addition to that team. For anyone who doesn't listen to the Red Card Report, first of all, you need to start listening because these guys do a great job covering really all of the top leagues. And I guess for you guys being Portuguese, you also cover the Portuguese league. I don't know where you would rank it in terms of the top leagues, maybe just under that top five, right? But I tell Rui this all the time. That's my favorite part of your show because I don't really follow Portuguese football that closely. So I get a little bit of a taste of it from you guys. And now with Eddie joining, it's even better because Eddie is a sporting fan and Rui is a Porto fan. So you guys have a lot of fun with that. They've had a couple of matches recently. But you're going to be allies this weekend because you're both Milanisti. Of course, Milan play against Napoli on Sunday. They'll be visiting the Maradona for what is a massive game for both of these teams. So we're going to preview the big match. And I want to start with Milan's recent form. 
looking at the results over the last few rounds, it seems like no one wants to win the Scudetto <laughs> right now. It's Everyone's dropping points left and right, and that includes Milan. Rui, Milan have dropped nine points in the last six Serie A rounds. Are you concerned about this stretch of results? Yeah, I mean, just dropping so many points in such a short amount of time is... It's always alarming. It's always concerning, especially in the last two games when we went up against Udinese and, and Salernitana. These are games that we have to walk away with. These are games that any championship team that is striving and going after that Scudetto have to put away. You have to come away with three points, and we weren't able to. Luckily, we were able to get a win over Inter, and that's obviously a, a huge result because we, we ended up catching up to them on the table. But these games recently have been really disappointing, the Spezia game. And even our game against Sampdoria, where we won one to nothing, it wasn't as convincing. We were able to close that out, but closing games out have been a difficulty for us recently. You know, obviously the Salernitana game and Udinese, we have to do a better job being more clinical, getting the job done, and also closing the game out when, when we're supposed to. I mean, in the Sampdoria match, I think... Milan had chances. If you, you know, convert one of those chances, it probably, you feel a lot better about that result. But yeah, you know, especially those last couple of matches with the draws, you could probably add the Coppa Italia match against Inter as well. Although in that one, I feel like, you know, the first leg of a two-legged tie is always played more conservatively. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to get, especially with the way Serie A is going, I think they both just kind of wanted to get to the next uh, round of Serie A without expending too much energy. Eddie, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Milan started the calendar year with wins over Roma, Venezia, and then Genoa and the Coppa Italia. But since then, we kind of alluded to this. The only really convincing performance that I can think of was the Lazio match in the Coppa Italia. You know, how are you feeling about this run? Yeah, I think, you know, it's apparent that we've seen a dip in form in the last few weeks. And even, you know, at the start of the year, I think that our form was already starting to dwindle a little bit, you know, and then the last two matches, you know, two draws, I think we've lost a lot of opportunities to kind of gain momentum at at the top of the table. And, you know, it's the common pattern through a lot of the top teams in the league. It's, you know, it's Napoli, it's Inter, it's Milan, even Juventus. You know, I think it speaks a lot to the climatic rise towards, you know, the end of the season. I think Milan's main issues has been, you know, their lack of consistency at the back. They've had some injury setbacks. And like we touched on, on, uh, you know, even before the show started, there's been some scandalous refereeing mistakes that's, you know, left Milan in question of whether or not they deserve to be at the top of the table. But I think that, you know, we're still in the running for the Scudetto. And as the other rivals experience the same downtrends, I think that the, the Coppa Italia match against Inter just showed the potency of our game and how well we could dominate a strong side like Inter is just, you know, I would have liked to gotten at least a one nil result, but the nil nil is not bad. But I think that Milan continued to mature despite having these fall offs. I think that the Derby result was massive in the campaign and, you know, we're still seeing the ripple effects from that. It's just that we're not able to close out a lot of super important games like the Salernitana one where, you know, it was clear the three points was much needed, you know, and, a game like that that's you know a bottom of the table team but you know we move on you know all these draws are, are just piling on and it's all lost opportunity you mentioned the referees Paolo Maldini called out the league saying you know we can't keep giving Milan these rookie officials I don't know if 
that worked out so well because now we have uh, Daniela Orzato as the head official for this match and Paolo Valeri on the bar. So <laughs> that plan might have backfired. I mean, we got yeah. the experience, but there's a lot of uh, controversy always with yep. those with those officials. A lot of question marks. Yeah. With the Salernitana result, that's a really tough one because Inter plays Salernitana this round. Mm-hmm. And if they win, it's almost the equivalent. I know you didn't lose that match. It was a draw, but it's almost the equivalent of dropping points in a match directly against your rival. Mm-hmm. And then you touched on on the Coppa Italia performance. It's funny because in the the last Serie A meeting between Inter and Milan, I think you guys would probably agree that Inter dominated that match. And Milan, fortunately for you guys, had a, a little you know, 5-10 minute period where Giroud scored those couple of goals, so you got the three points. And then in the match where Milan was obviously the better side, which was the Coppa Italia meeting, you come out with just a draw, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Milan was considered the home side in, in that match, so that's probably uh, not the result you wanted. Right. Or, I don't know, I guess if you score in the return leg, now you have the away goal, which is still important in, exactly. the, uh, in the Coppa Italia. But both of you guys kind of alluded to this as well. It's not just Milan that are dropping points. Pretty much every club at the top of the table have struggled in this calendar year. Inter haven't won in five straight matches in all competitions. You could argue that Inter's recent struggles actually started with that loss to Milan, right? Like psychologically, that's a huge blow on that team. They followed that up with a a 2 0 win over Roma in the Coppa Italia, but they've really struggled to score since then. Their last goal was actually against Napoli in the 1 1 draw. Um, You look at Juve, they're undefeated in their last 13 Serie A matches, but they've drawn five of them now. They've drawn against good clubs, Napoli, Milan, Atalanta. So that's understandable. But at the same time, in the position that they're in, they need to beat their direct rivals if they want to move up in the table, not draw them, or else they just stay where they are. Napoli hasn't lost in 2022, but we were just seconds away from a third straight draw. And, you know, we would have had a much different feeling about Napoli if, if that match finished as a draw as opposed to, you know, that late winner from Fabian, and we wouldn't have been top of the table. So as it stands, Napoli and Milan are tied at the top of the table on 57 points. Inter is third on 55 points, but they still have a game in hand. If we draw and Inter beat Salernitana, all three teams will be tied on 58 points. Yeah. And yet, most so-called experts are saying that this is you know a race between Inter and Napoli. I don't know if you guys agree, but this is what I'm hearing. Whenever I listen to all these shows, I hear a lot of people talking about Inter and Napoli for the Scudetto. And... Even though Milan's right up there on the same points, I, you know, it seems like a lot of people are not giving Milan the same, you know, forecasting them to have the same chance to win the Scudetto. So, Eddie, is Milan not getting the respect they deserve here? Yeah, I think it's a surprise to a lot of people outside of, you know, Rossoneri fans that, you know, expected Milan to be here. I think it was a long time coming, but into rightly so being you know, the, the holders of the Scudetto and, and Napoli have been, you know, in the mix for winning the Scudetto for the past few seasons. So, you know, it was surprising to see Juve far below everyone else and Milan being the dark horse. I think that Milan have, you know, surprised everyone from Pioli to everyone that's in that squad have, you know, been able to overperform and, and deliver a lot of the results. So I think it's a testament to the work that's being put in. 
but I, I think it's a surprise to everyone that's outside of you know a Milan shirt. We knew that this was something that is deserving because we know the talent that we have, uh, what we can produce in the last couple of seasons and the runs that we've been on consistently being able to win big matches. But I think that this season now, it's time to prove that. So it's in our hands. We've had uh, several opportunities that we haven't been able to take to our advantage. Yeah, exactly. And especially when you consider all the injuries that Milan has had to deal with over the last couple of seasons, which we're going to talk about a bit later. But Rui, I want to get your thoughts on that as well, because I almost feel like, and and I, I know the reason I, I touched on this last episode as well, but I hear more people talking about Juve's chances of winning the Scudetto and they're like seven points back. And I think part of that is because that's what gets clicks. That's what gets ratings. But how do you feel about Milan not being discussed enough when it comes to the the Scudetto? I think they're definitely in the mix for it. And if we look at the remaining schedule too, after this game against Napoli, our toughest opponents are going to be Lazio and Atalanta. The rest is all middle table and bottom table clubs. I don't know how the remaining schedules are going to be for Juventus, Napoli and, uh, and, and Inter, but I think that's come to our advantage. And, you know, I agree with a lot with what Eddie has said. We've been able to thrive well and play a good style of football for the majority of the season. Obviously, we haven't been as consistent in terms of result, but I think for the most part, we've been pretty consistent in terms of our play. When we look at how we, we dominated I guess we can say we dominated in the Salernitana game, but the mistakes cost us. We dominated in the Inter game in the Coppa Italia, but we didn't get that result that we wanted. I think it's going to come down to us being more clinical in the back. We've made quite a few mistakes that cost us results. You know, we ended up getting draws where we should have gotten wins. We got losses when we should have gotten at least a draw or even a win. So, you know, overall, I think I don't think there's that much of a gap between the top three teams in terms of quality of play. When all three teams are at their absolute best, it's going to come down to who's going to be more clinical, who's going to be more consistent, who's not going to make the detrimental mistake. So I think it is unfair to rule us out. I'm not saying that we are going to win the Scudetto. I hope we do. We definitely can do it. But there's three top teams in the league that are more than capable of winning the Scudetto. And you know what? If Napoli, Inter, and Milan continue to get the results and performances that they've been as of lately, and Juventus, who haven't lost in such a long time and haven't, have, they seem to start picking up some steam. Who knows? There's 11 games left, 12 for some teams. That's plenty of time. That's enough games to turn things around. But um, I don't think it's going to be as likely because to see three teams completely drop off, it's going to be really unlikely to see. I think maybe one or two of the top three will. But yeah, to answer your question, I think it's a little unfair to rule us out given how we've been playing over the last two seasons. The system continues to work. We have matured. We've gotten better over time. And we're starting to see individual players that aren't Teo Hernandez or Ibrahimovic, as we saw during the beginning of our spell to where we are right now. We're starting to see other players like Sandro Tonali and Rafael Leon really living up to their expectations. And we don't have to rely on brilliance from Teo Hernandez or Ibrahimovic to bail us out. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think in terms of squad depth and quality, to me, Inter are a little bit ahead of everyone else. But if they continue to struggle to score, there's no reason why any of these teams couldn't finish top of the table come the end. And I think both both Milan and Napoli are more than capable of 
getting that result and edging a team like Inter out, despite Inter being a little bit more stronger and more um, more with depth. Yeah, and I think the other thing is depth is less of an issue when you're only competing in one competition. I know Milan and Inter are still alive in the Coppa Italia, but at most, that's two more games if you reach the final, right? right? right. Whereas Inter potentially could go further in the... Well, I don't think anyone expects them to beat Liverpool, but their advantage earlier in the year was they had the depth to be able to handle all these different competitions. Whereas, you know, with Napoli and Milan having all these injuries, it was a lot harder. And that's where we dropped some points playing only one game a week. You can pretty much get by with your usual starting 11, hoping you don't pick up any injuries, but that's also less likely because you're playing fewer matches. So that'll do for part one. In part two, we'll talk a little bit about the starting lineups. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to part two of the Forza Napoli podcast. I'm joined by Rui Pereiro and Eddie Batista of the Red Card Report podcast. I want to talk about the squads next. I mentioned this in part one, but I can't really think of two clubs who have had more injuries than Napoli and Milan over the past two seasons. Juve are going through a bit of an injury crisis now, and Atlanta had a bit of an injury issue and COVID issue earlier in the year, but I still don't think they compare to Napoli and Milan over two seasons. That said, both of these clubs have been on the mend, and it seems like each of them will only be missing a couple of players for this match. Rui, we saw Alessio Romagnoli leave in the first half of Milan's Coppa Italia match against Inter. What can you tell us about his condition? I know he uh, he suffered a groin injury, a uh, muscle injury. There could be a possibility that he shows up on, on Sunday, but it looks like it's doesn't look like he's going to be playing in this match. And the same with Ibrahimovic's case as well. It seems like his issue is ongoing and he doesn't really look likely to be on uh, on the pitch on Sunday. Okay, yeah, because I was going to ask you about Ibrahimovic as well. I think, Eddie, would you say that if uh, we saw, was it Kalulu that replaced Romagnoli in that match, would you yep. assume then that he would be the starting uh, center back along with Tomori? Yeah, it would be them too. And I would see probably Calabria also starting over Florenzi and have Teo Hernandez on the other side. And that's how we would line up for the back four. But I mean, he came in and, you know, he had a lights out performance. I thought Kalulu step in, no problem. Losing a player like Romagnoli, it's tough because he's been, although inconsistently, he's been, you know, an anchor in our back line. But, you know, with him, you know, maybe leaving, going to Lazio at the end of the season, and then just with the injury, I would rather see someone like Kalulu stepping in there, just knowing how crucial of a match this is. I just don't want any hindrance from an injury. You know, these are three crucial points that are there for the taking. So I think if there's any injury setbacks, it's not even worth the risk. Yeah, that makes sense. And to be honest, it might be a blessing in disguise because I think while Romagnoli gives you sort of the size and the experience, he doesn't have the pace, 
And when you're playing against a player like Victor Osiman, you need to exactly. be quick. So I, I think Tomori and Kalulu might actually be a better matchup to defend against Victor than having Romagnoli in there. Before we get to the starting lineups, I'll, I'll give uh, you guys and the listeners a, a quick update on Napoli's injury situation. We got some good news on Thursday. Both Andre Frank Zambuangisa and Chucky Lozano completed the full group training. With two training sessions remaining before the match, I think that means it's very likely that they'll both be in the squad. I doubt either of them will start, but they do give Spalletti some options off the bench. That means the only players we're missing for this match are Axel Twanzebe and Kevin Malquit, which is not really that big of a deal. Twanzebe is still dealing with some lower back pain, but he's our fourth center back, so that's not a big deal when you have surprisingly Juan Jesus having a decent season. Kevin Malquit will be out for a couple of weeks with a calf injury, but he's at a backup at right back, and <laughs> he backs up a player in Giovanni Di Lorenzo that has only missed 77 minutes out of 36 matches this season, so the guy is just an absolute workhorse, and if something were to happen, let's say Mario Rui got hurt, what we would do is bring Juan Jesus in to play on the left. So, I mean, we don't really have a backup right back at the moment. Hopefully nothing happens with Di Lorenzo, but then we also have the option to play in a, a three-man back line if we're absolutely desperate. So let's move on to the starting lineups. Eddie, you pretty much already covered the back line. So maybe I'll get you to complete the starting 11, and then Rui, you can uh, let us know if you have any differences of opinion. Yeah, I think absolutely. Magic Mike Magnon, he's had a standout season, so there's no doubt that he's starting in goal. And then for our midfield, I would ideally like to see Tonali and Benacer together, but it's most likely going to be Tonali and Frank Kessie, Macias, Ibrahim Diaz, and Leao making that trident. And then uh, Giroud being that number nine, hopefully you know, he has another monumental game in a Milan shirt. We saw what he did in the Derby. He just needed two chances. And, you know, that was the game-winning performance that we all needed. Do you think Giroud is probably the best nine since Inzaghi? I know there's kind of this cursed number nine <laughs> shirt, but he's, he seems yeah. to be doing holding his own, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's proving that he's worth his weight in gold, like I said. And that number nine curse, you know, it's been something that has has lingered with us for so long. You know, we've had the likes of, you know, Fernando Torres and Piontek, and it just has never worked out. So we always talk about this curse, but, you know, he's just taken it on the run and he's been able to produce some iconic moments and he's deserving of that shirt. So if there's anyone to break that curse, it would be him. And surprisingly so, because I never thought it would be someone like Olivier Giroud. So I'm glad he came through and he's just brought a wealth of experience and just goal scoring prowess to this team. Yeah. My only hope is that he's able to to continue in the big moments. Yeah. Well, let's just hope it's not in this big moment, but <laughs> really, I'm curious to know if you have any differences really. I mean, looking at that squad, I, I pretty much agree with everything Eddie said. The only positions that there may be some debate is which two out of the three in that double pivot, which Eddie kind of alluded to, is it Benacer with Tonali? It seems like Tonali will probably start for sure. And maybe it's between Kessie and Benacer. And then the other, I guess, debatable position is on the right wing. You have a few options there. Yeah, I think Eddie's pretty much spot on. It's hard to choose between uh, Tonali and, and Ben Asser because they're two of the more dynamic playmakers compared to Kessier, who's just, you know, a player like that is just so essential to a double pivot, who's so energetic and so balanced all around. He can do pretty much everything adequately. So it's always good to have a player like that. And it's hard to just pair 
Tonali and Benacer together when you have another midfielder like Cassier. I pretty much agree with everything else. I would like to see Salamakas instead of Junior Macias. I'm not a big Junior Macias guy. I know he's got a little bit of flair. He's got some good dribbling abilities, and he scored some big goals. But overall, aside from those big goals, I don't really see a lot from him. I think Alexis Salamakers is, is really good defensively, and I think he's gotten better on and off the ball. I think he's getting better technically. I think he's getting himself in the right positions out on the wing. And I feel like every time he steps onto the pitch, as of lately coming off the bench, he brings that energy. And his presence is felt. And I know he's not like the best option to have, but I think from what I've been seeing, I would prefer him over a Junior Macias. Yeah, I mean, going back to what I mentioned earlier about having guys come back from injuries, the nice thing is it means you have options, right? I mean, I agree. I think we'll probably see Tonali and Kessia in the double pivot, especially because it's an away match, you know, that Kessia gives you a bit more strength at defending. And then, you know, if Milan fall behind, you can bring Benacer off the bench to bolster the attack a little bit. Same thing with Messias. If he's just not producing, he's not having a game, you have those options, Salamakers, uh, on the bench, even um, uh, Rebic, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me give you my starting eleven for Napoli. I think we'll we will line up in a four-two-three-one like Milan do with David Ospina in goal. Amir Rachmani and Kalidou Koulibaly will start at center back. Mario Rui at left back. Giovanni Di Lorenzo at right back. Even if Angisa is back in the squad, I think Stanislav Lobotka would start in the double pivot alongside Fabian Ruiz. Likewise, even if Lozano is in the squad, I think Matteo Politano would start on the right wing. And then the rest pretty much picks itself. You have Lorenzo Insigne on the left wing, Piotr Zielinski in the 10, and Victor Osman as striker. And like I mentioned, with Milan having options off the bench, now that we're getting healthier, we have guys like Ali Felmas who can come off the bench to play in the 10, like we saw against Lazio. He made a big impact off the bench, or even as a winger if need be. And we have Dries Mertens as a backup striker, though lately for some reason he's just not playing so that will do for part two in part three we'll talk a little bit about tactics we'll make some predictions and then i'll give you guys my thoughts on yet another new napoli kit hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline welcome to part three of the fortsonopoly podcast so I want to talk next a little bit about tactics. Now, this is not a tactics podcast. So I'm not necessarily looking for anything complicated like you would see online. Really what I'm trying to understand is, and I think what the listeners would be interested in knowing is, how do you guys think Milan will approach this match? Eddie, I know you do a little bit of coaching, so I'm going to go to you first on this one. Yeah, I think uh, Pioli will probably have you know a similar approach to what he you know did in the Derby. I think he's going to take his chances wisely he wants to have that defensive security i think the biggest thing is controlling the the movement of austin we saw you know how deadly he could be and even in the game against inter he just you know ran screenier and the fry just 
rampant. You know, he was able to produce so much. You know, he caused that penalty. So I think trying to stop that movement and Kalulu will be a, a big asset in that. I think restricting Insigne to the flanks, you know, he's just synonymous with cutting inside and, and trying to get that ball to the back post, that floating ball. You know, he's done it time and time again. And I'll also think that that trailing ball to the top of the box, you know, Zielinski has punished us and we saw Fabian do it last week. You know, those strikes from the outside of the area are, are super deadly. So we really have to make sure we clean up those, you know, those trailing balls. And I think he's also going to use his weapons coming off of the bench pretty wisely. You know, even if Salamankers doesn't start, you know, he's a, an asset coming off the bench because he's highly energetic. He's able to run down teams. Ante Rebic is another one. And then we have a utility player and Krunich, you know, he's able to get you those, you know, just breaking up the plays, those midfield fouls that, you know, you could give up a yellow card here or there. So I think you'll have a careful approach, but this is going to be an end-to-end match with both teams, you know, liking to play that same style, you know, free-flowing football. You know, Napoli, they're going to try to catch Milan on the break. So I think it's key to try and stop that, especially when Milan's fullbacks are pushing up the field, you know, when Calabria gets up, when Hernandez gets up. But yeah, it's an exciting match to watch, you know, especially from a neutral standpoint, more nerve wracking if you're on either side of this. But yeah, it's one for the books because there's so much at stake here. You know, the Scudetto is is up for grabs and this is another monumental game in the running for that. That's really well said. I mean, I think it might come down to some of these individual matchups on the pitch because I think these two squads are really evenly matched up for the most part. Rui, do you have anything to add to that in terms of Pioli's approach, both in the attacking phase and the defensive phase? Yeah, I pretty much agree. We have to slow down Aussie men. The guy is completely electric, so dynamic, too quick, and he creates a lot of a lot of opportunities based on his ability to get open and get off defenders because he's great with the ball on his feet. He's able to get by defenders. He's just so fast. And it complements a lot of the playmakers that Napoli have. Their midfield is really good. It's one of the best in Serie A. But also you have to pay attention to Lorenzo Insigne, who's been a vital part to that system. And people can say whatever they want about him. I don't like how they say he's overrated. I think he's been one of the best playmakers in Serie A for so many years. Obviously, Napoli's success and where they've been finishing over the years in Serie A has a lot to do with them and his style of play and everything. So. Milan have a lot of things to worry about. It's not just Oshiman. Obviously, we have to limit his presence as much as possible, but we also have to limit the ability of Lorenzo Insigne's playmaking. So how we're going to do that is the mystery because we saw how Pioli approached the game against Inter a few weeks ago when we beat them in Serie A, where he deployed Kessier as the attacking midfielder and had Benacer and Tonali behind him. So having that extra pressing midfielder could do some damage to Napoli and slow down their rhythm, their tempo, and to get things going. And I think if we want to slow down Lorenzo Insigne, I love that Calabria is going to start the game because defensively, I think he's the best right back in the league. But also throwing Alexis Salamakers on that wing, who is so energetic, who does well on both sides of the ball, attacking-wise and defensively. Defensively is the key thing because he can track back and make the job for Lorenzo Insigne much more difficult. So there's a lot of options that Pioli is going to, that he has. It's all a matter of who he's going to deploy and what kind of system he's going to implement with all the players and options that he has. Yeah, you make some really fantastic points. I think the thing about Osiman is that even when he doesn't score, 
he just creates so much space for the players around him because he just draws defenders to him. And, you know, you play a long ball to him in most cases for many teams, you know, if you're under pressure and you boot the ball long, you're just giving it right back to the opponent. But in Victor's case, he chases it down and all of a sudden you go from defending to attacking. He can hold up the ball and he pulls players away and that creates space for everyone else. I think you're absolutely spot on with Insignia in a few different regards. One, I think he's criticized a little bit extra harshly because he's Napoli fan. And I'm talking from Napoli fans um, where, you know, the expectations are just that much higher for him. He's gotten a lot of flack this season because he hasn't scored at the same rate as last season, but people don't recognize that from a playmaking standpoint, as you said, we're a lot better when he's in the squad than when we're not in the squad. But at the same time, I completely agree. Calabria is like the perfect player to defend Insignia because He's quicker. He can keep up with them. He's, he's very talented. And the point you make about Salamakers is interesting as well, because not only can Salamakers track back to help defend because he's got so much energy, like Eddie said, and, and pace, mm-hmm. but he may also force Insignia to track back and help defend. And that's something we saw against Barcelona in the first leg. When you have a guy like Traore, who's so fast, our strategy to defend Traore was for Insignia to go back and help defend. Well, guess what? Yeah. That means he's not going to be helping out that much in the attack. So, you know, who will, we might actually see Salamakers start over Junior Macias. Macias, exactly. Yeah. One thing you guys didn't mention was that concerns me is the long ball to Leao. He's been an absolute beast this season, and I think he'll win the best young player award in Serie A. I don't know how much weight people give to these awards, but we'll probably see Vlahovic get the best striker award, and the league prefers to have different winners for each category. So I think that means... Leal will win the best young player award, which is for anyone that's under 23. And then we know how good Mike Magnon is with his distribution. Like we saw that just recently in the Sampdoria match where he gets an assist on, a, I don't know if it was a goal kick or just playing out of the back and he puts the ball, you know, on Leal's yeah. foot at the edge of the area. And he makes it, it's come, becoming a bit of a patent move for, for Leal, this sort of cut across the defender. And, he, you know, he's got so much pace. He's got skill. His confidence is high. He's been finishing really well. So I'm very, very concerned about Leao. Napoli have struggled to play out of the high press lately, but I'm less concerned about that for this match. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Milan press too high necessarily when they're defending, right? Uh, I think that they do. I think okay. I, I think um, the back line is usually higher than, than you would normally see on a, a Serie A club. I mean, a lot of the help, too, comes from the midfield pressing really well and the wingers as well. Okay, so that concerns me a little bit. I'm a little bit less concerned about it, even if Milan do press high, just because I think we're far better equipped to play out of the press with Lobotka in the squad than we are with Diego Deme, who is filling in with Lobotka and Anguisa both injured. When Barcelona press us, now Barcelona is, in my opinion, on another level. People can talk about where they are in the table, but I think the Barcelona that we played against is much more like the Barcelona of previous years with all of that young talent they have in the midfield. So I wouldn't necessarily compare the two, but I think we'd be better equipped to play out of the press in this match with Lobotka. And then also having natural wingers on the wings. I think we had to play Ali Felmas on the right wing with Politano and Lozano both hurt. And that makes it a lot harder to play out of the back because of how involved our wingers are in the buildup. So I think Napoli are going to try to dominate the ball. We're going to try to control the pace of this match. 
that's even more reason for me to be concerned about the counterattack. So it's funny because you guys mentioned being concerned about our counterattack, which personally I don't think is very good, but it's always a threat when Osman is in the squad, obviously. Right. I'm concerned about the Milan counterattack with Leao. I mentioned Romagnoli, and you know I'd rather he be playing, to be honest, than not playing. So we'll see how those young defenders do. Everywhere else on the pitch, though, like I said, I think it's a pretty even match. So let's move on to some predictions. Uh, Rui, I'll come to you first if you guys are not superstitious about making predictions. I know you did it for the sporting uh, poker match. So. <laughs> but uh, Rui, how do you think this one's going to go? Um, I was going to say 5-0 just to give it, like, get the reaction <laughs> from you guys. <laughs> oh, man. No, no, loves no, that 5-0. <laughs> I just want to see it happen. I just, you know, I I, I saw us take a five nothing loss, so I, I I'd like to give it to somebody. But it's gonna be a hard fought game. This one, there's so much on the line. You know, so late into the season, and these are the games that make it or break it for for either team. So I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Milan two to one over Napoli. And I think uh, Giroud and Leal are going to score and uh, Lorenzo Insigne is going to score for Napoli. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, Eddie, what do you got? Yeah. I think going into this game, Napoli has, you know, a lot of momentum coming off of that Lazio match. You know, that was something that was super exciting. You know, you love to see Serie A matches like that, but with this, you know, this is, a clash of the Titans right now, you know, two of the top teams in Syria, you know, outside of Inter and outside of Atalanta and we'll mention Juve in there. But yeah, I'm going to go with a prediction of 3-2 because I didn't come on this podcast to predict that Napoli would win. I'm sorry, Joe. But yeah, 3-2 <laughs> Milan. I think it's like you're saying, that direct style of play, Milan trying to counter those long balls, whether it's to Giroud that's holding it up, you know, knocking it back into the center midfielders and we're going off with Ibrahim Diaz or we're playing direct to Liao. You know, we have so many more outlets and so many more dynamic ways to score that I can definitely see this being a higher scoring game than the Lazio-Napoli and the nil-nil Inter-Milan Coppa match. You know, so yeah, I'm going to go with 3-2. I won't say the scorers, but Giroud's definitely going to be one of them. Oh man, this is not good because I was relying on at least one of you guys to take a draw, but I'm going to go with a, a 1-1 draw, so none of us are taking wow. a Napoli win now. I don't know, Napolitans are superstitious anyway, so maybe that's not so bad. But, you know, it's funny because the way I look at it, I think there's a lot of signs pointing to a Napoli win. You know, the sports books to start with, they have Napoli as the mm-hmm. favorites. The match is going to be at a sold-out Stadio Maradona. Now, we're still at 75% capacity. The Undersecretary of Health, Andrea Costa, announced on Wednesday that they're not going to 100%. Uh, they're aiming for March 24th for Italy's World Cup qualifying playoff. But there should still be about 40,000 fans in attendance. Apparently, De Laurentiis lowered the ticket prices again, like he did for the Barcelona match, to ensure that it sells out. Of course, nobody talks about that. We only talk about De Laurentiis when he doesn't spend money in January. But, you know, <laughs> as Eddie said, Napoli are riding a high after that late win against Lazio. And I don't know if it's really worth anything, but we do have a couple of extra days rest because you guys played on Tuesday. All of that being said, the reason I'm going with a draw for this one is because I don't know if you guys agree, but I find that sometimes when we have these big matches, 
they tend to underwhelm. Yeah, they, um, you yes. do have the occasional banger, but I find, you know, given the circumstances, I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those matches where both teams are going to be playing not to lose more than they're playing to win because it's not like two, three games left in the season. There's still 10 more games after this one. And I think, as I said before, if we tie and Inter win, we're still all tied top of the table. I know Inter have that game in hand, but I think all of these teams would rather be top of the table than be the one that falls behind. So that leads me to believe that it's going to be a more conservative approach from both sides. Now, if one of these teams scores an early goal, that completely changes everything, right? The game opens up and then now you might get that shootout style game that I think Eddie's expecting. But I'm going to go with a 1-1 a draw and I'll give the goals to Victor Osman and Rafael Leal, the two young stars on these two teams. Before I wrap it up, I mentioned the uh, the shirt that Napoli's going to wear. So I just want to give the listeners, you guys can sit back and enjoy my thoughts on this shirt. Uh, did you guys see the shirt uh, online today? Yeah. Oh, I haven't it, seen it. Okay, so for Eddie, basically, if you've seen the other Maradona kits, mm-hmm. the uh, tribute ones, it's that, but it's red. It's got the slight subtle difference is that. On the other versions, the fingerprint and the Maradona was yep. in black and white, whereas in, in this one, it looks like he's wearing an Argentina kit, which is interesting. Personally, I'm not a fan of any of them, but you know, it's something that always draws a lot of attention. It's now the 12th different shirt that we're going to wear this season for outfield players. There's still two goalkeeper kits as well. We started with our standard blue, which everyone complained was too similar to last year's Kappa shirt. We also brought back the red shirt, and then we have a white shirt with gold trim. The white shirt doubles as a Europa League kit as well. The only difference is in the Europa League, the MSC sponsors removed because you can only have one shirt sponsor on the front of the shirt, and then you have the Europa League patch on the sleeve. If you count that as a separate shirt, then I guess it's 13. Then we have the Europa League versions of the blue and red shirt, so it's the same shirt but with all gold trim. Then at Halloween, we released the black spiderweb shirt. After that, we brought out these three Diego Maradona shirts in blue, white, and navy. Then for Valentine's Day, they did the blue flame shirt, and that also has a Europa League variation with the gold trim. Now we get this red version, and I get a lot of people are getting frustrated. It's it's very kind of gimmicky. You know, I've seen people say it's like it's like when you go to Napoli and, and the Mercato is selling all these different fake replica shirts on the, on the side of the <laughs> side of the road. It's kind of got that vibe to it. But, I mean, this is how I look at it. And I tweeted this out just to sort of put things in, in context. And I think it, it helped people appreciate it a little bit more. This past summer, Juventus issued 400 million euros worth of new share capital, 250 million of which was underwritten by their parent company, Exor. Over the last three seasons, they've issued around 700 million euros in shares. Last season, maybe before the start of last year, Inter took out a high-risk loan from Oak Tree Capital Management Group, which is basically another Elliott group, which you guys are familiar with that whole situation. And just to be able to meet their repayment terms, they had to sell Romelu Lukaku and Ashraf Hakimi. Then in January, Inter took out a 415 million euro loan at a higher interest rate to refinance their existing debt. And they're probably going to have to sell more players this summer, maybe someone like Lautaro Martinez, for example, to be able to continue to make their repayments. Otherwise, they risk having the club taken over by Oak Tree. And then just this week, we learned that Inter, Milan, Juve, and Roma are being investigated for violating financial fair play regulations. Now, we know that none of these clubs are going to be sanctioned, but 
nonetheless, Napoli have not issued any new share capital. We have not taken on any debt. And we're not being investigated for FFP violations. So to me, I don't care if we wear a different shirt every season, every match, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and and I also don't care if we look like damn NASCAR drivers with like a sponsor, the shit out of the Jersey. I don't care if that's bringing in money and that's keeping the club stable financially, then I'm all for it. So that's my thoughts for what they're worth. Yeah. I think you guys have the most sponsors out of all the Serie A teams. Yeah, we might. Because you guys have the Amazon. You have the MSC, and then you have the Lete, and then was it E7? Yeah, they designed the shirts for us. And then on the back, we have Floki, which is one of these crypto things that I still yeah. don't really understand. <laughs> Anyways, that's where it's we're going to leave it. I want to thank both of our guests for joining me today. Eddie, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Like I said, man, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. You know, Napoli, I always support Napoli and I, I'm not just saying this just to you know kiss butt on the podcast but I always follow Napoli I love the style of play and just outside of Milan you know you don't really root for another team in Italy but Napoli you know I just love you know the fluidity of their play and the excitement even going back to you know when they still had Hamshik and in just all those years just so and I love the the matches against Milan you know even back when Jeremy Menez was playing and, you know, those that had was, was crazy. And, you know, that's one of the last times Milan was pretty competitive, even if it was during our banter era, but yeah, I'm happy to see Milan and, and Napoli, you know, at the top fighting for the Scudetto and it's not, you know, Juve are in the distance, Inter kind of, you know, fallen off and no mention of Lazio, but yeah, it's great to see that Italian football is getting back to the levels that it needs to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if you go a bit further back, those early 90s years where where Milan had the Dutch trio and, and Napoli were the Maradona era, those were some great, great matches back then as well. I mean, there's also, I don't want to bring up the controversy back then with that Scudato, I think it was the 1991, because Milanisti think that one was theirs, but uh, we can save that for the next time we have you guys yeah. on. Rui, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Joe. You know, I'm on the same boat with Eddie. I actually do enjoy watching Napoli play. Love the culture of the team, you know, since from Lavezzi and Cavani and Hamzik and Insigne and, and, and Mertens, they've always been a joy to watch. And when Serie A was at its worst, they were kind of that team that brought that quality of football yep. outside of Juventus. So they always kind of helped put Serie A on the map when uh, the league wasn't great. So thank you again for having me on. I love the show. Always do listen and, and keep up with my Napoli facts when I listen to you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, you know, other than uh, our buddy Joe Cappuccino, I don't think too many people are happy for that decade <laughs> of uh, Juve domination. Yeah. You can find both of our guests on Twitter. Eddie is at ACMilan underscore ED. Rui is at RuiZinho92. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fischetti5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forza Napoli Pod. Be sure to check out our Twitter page for our latest Napolitan song of the week. This week's song is Orom Shukardrom. That's probably their most popular song, but if you like the sound, which they refer to as Napolitan Gypsy music, then I suggest listening to their albums cover to cover. They have so many good songs. They're very upbeat, 
Actually, it's great drinking music for those of you who are still young enough to pound them back. I'm not anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll be back next week with another panel episode to review the Milan match, so stay tuned for that. But until next time, I'm Joe Fischetti, Forza Napoli Sempre. Podcast Network.